And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest edition of Head of the Pack. Week 6, I'm Matt Schneidman along here with Bill Huber. I'm coming to you from Tampa, the press box here in Central Florida, I believe we're in. After, boy, that was a disgrace of a game from the Packers, 38-10. to 10. They were up 10-0, but then the Buccaneers scored 38 straight points. And, and Bill, I want to start with this. I, I'm not pressing panic uh, on this Packers season just yet. They're 4-1. and one. They have three teams in their next four games that are currently 1-5 in the Texans, Vikings, and Jaguars with the 49ers also in there. But this gives me a little bit of deja vu to last season when there would just be games here and there, the Chargers and then the 49ers twice, where the Packers would just get their teeth kicked in. And I'll never question their effort, but they just look like they don't belong on the same field as teams that they definitely do belong on the same field as. So what was your main takeaway from this game? And do you think there's any reason for long-term concern? I do. And maybe this is just a byproduct of um, kind of the recency bias. All you know, or all you're thinking of is what you just saw. But you mentioned last year, they came off the bye last year. They went out to San Fran and lost by 29 they had a rematch against San Fran, lost by what seventy-five or hundred, you know, whatever, whatever it was in the championship game. Um, I just think the NFL has a bunch of mediocre teams, and there's a few really good teams and a few really awful teams, and maybe Green Bay's at the top of the mediocre group or slightly above mediocre, but against these really, really good teams, and I would include Tampa Bay among those. Maybe they're just not cut out for it. Um, they, I mean, they had no answers today. Um, the Buccaneers' linebackers are faster. They couldn't pass. I mean, the, they, they couldn't pass protect. Um, you can just go up and down the line. There, there's almost nothing to hang your head on after this. So, um, again, maybe I'm just uh, stuck with just what I just saw. But I, I, I see, I see huge problems. I, I'm guessing you see it the other way, though, Matt. Not necessarily. There, there's definitely reason for concern, but. You know, I'll defer to Rogers and Lafleur when they say they think they can right the ship and that this won't be long-standing concerns. Now, the difference between this season and last season was make what you want of the ugly wins or whatever, but they had performances before these blowouts last season that indicated a, a blowout was probably coming. You know, they squeaked by against the Lions. They, uh, I'm trying to remember, the the Broncos, the Vikings early in the season, the Bears, like they were squeaking by in these games. And while winning a game in the NFL is winning a game, you could sense that they wouldn't be as fortunate in some of these close games. And sure enough, it went completely the opposite end of the spectrum and they got blown out. Granted, San Francisco was in a different league last year, but like the Chargers game. After that game, Rogers says, we got to 
see how we manage ourselves on long road trips again. He carried a similar tone after tonight, saying we got to see how we conduct ourselves in the week of practice. And he, I counted, he said the word practice seven times in his post-game Zoom session to kind of really drive home the point of they didn't practice well. And yet he's the guy who's going on the Pat McAfee show and saying career years, uh, career years for other, or he said down years for me are career years for other quarterbacks. And then he's doing the, the pump celebration today. And listen, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers was feeling himself too much because if there's anyone on this team, he understands that you can't get too high, can't get too low. But it is a little telling when he calls out the team for feeling themselves too much. Um, and he's got to set that tone, whether it's in his interviews with McAfee or, or stuff he does during the week. And, and listen, I bet he's carrying himself as appropriately as anyone during the week, but it's still a little alarming for him to have to call out the guys after a 4 0 start like that. So, you know, I'd say less reason for concern than you have, but still. I'm a little wary after after today going forward. That was amazing. Rodgers, and this is why Rodgers is like a reporter's best friend, is we didn't ask him about that. He just voluntarily comes out and says we didn't practice very well, and he, and he kept driving home the point again and again. There was a guy, one of the Madison TV guys asked him about the, the Buccaneers linebackers and how fast they were. He spent two sentences talking about the Buccaneers linebackers, and then he went right back to the point about um, they needed they needed a kick in the ass. Was I believe was his mm-hmm. exact words. Yep. I mean, that, I mean, there was a point he came into that Zoom with a clear message that he wanted to send. Look, he's he's not talking so much to us. He wants us to write the stories, and, and he wants that out there for everybody else out there to read. But you're right, though, Matt. It, some of it's some of it's probably got to start with him too. I, I I think you make a good point with the McAfee stuff. Where, um, I I, I do think that you probably should be a little bit wary when you are the leader of a young team because they're, they're all watching you. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, like I said, I'm not saying Rodgers can't say that stuff because he has all the right to. And what he says on radio and does in celebrations doesn't reflect how he's conducting himself around the facility every day. So I'm not knocking him for that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it is a little – it was interesting, I'll say that, to you know contrast – what he said in the media recently with what he was saying to us after the game. So let's move on to like what I thought it was. I just stole your stole your stat. I tweeted this out. The Packers have now lost by 29 points and 28 points in the games directly after their two bye weeks under Matt LaFleur. I, I just think that's a fascinating stat. Not I don't think there's maybe not anything to it. I'm not saying LaFleur is taking them out to party during the bye week, but it's just fascinating <laughs> that a guy who's 18 and five, in his Packers tenure as head coach, has had his team fall so flat in games when they have an extra week to prepare. So let's let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. And I want to talk about Rodgers' interceptions first. And we knew the interceptions were going to come, but the pick six, only his third pick six of his career in over 6,000 pass attempts, I believe it is, um, just a bad throw on and out, kind of forced it in there. And the second one... Um, kind of an unlucky deflection on a slant to Devontae Adams that Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the only reason that wasn't a second pick six in three throws. But while Rodgers was not good tonight, I'm not trying to cut him some slack, the offensive line was garbage tonight. They were terrible. Mm-hmm. And they're the best pass-blocking offensive line in football through four games. And this Bucks defensive line, the outside linebackers, 
the two inside linebackers just absolutely dominated them. What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I, I do think it started with those inside linebackers. I mean, they, they just couldn't run the football. The, the first play of the game was Aaron Jones got a handoff, and Devin White stuffed him, and I tweeted it out right away. Um, I have not seen linebacker play like that in Green Bay in forever. And then you pair, then you pair White with with uh, with David. Unreal. They've got two linebackers. Yeah, and this, they they couldn't run the ball. So when you can't run the ball, then you have to start throwing the football all the time, and then it just became a shooting gallery for that for that Bucks defense side. So you know what do they say? Styles make fights, right? Well, I just think this is a a bad matchup for for Green Bay, and you know, and not having Tyler Irvin. And who ever thought we'd have said this? Not having Tyler Irvin is a big blow. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. Um, not in the return but, game, but yeah. just in how they they do how some they of the them. things right. with the motion on offense. Yeah, so they they were. They were just stagnant, which is you know one of, we have some reader questions, and, and one of the one of the people out there mentioned stagnant, and it's a, it's a great word for it. They're, they they just, it looked like a, a Mike McCarthy offense where they just go line up and run the play. Well, actually, they'd go line up, they'd run the play clock down to zero, they snap the ball, and and it was it just didn't look like the same offense so whatsoever. It's hard to believe that that Tyler Irvin makes so much of a difference, but they. They just couldn't replace him at all. It, was, it looked like a totally different offense tonight. And that's what's a little alarming is because all we've heard about since these guys started training camp was the communications better, uh, the comforting year two of the offense, the, the play calling uh, verbiage is streamlined because Rodgers is so much more comfortable uh, in an offense that requires such long play calls. And how many times did we, hear, and rightfully so, hear the word flow the past couple weeks mm-hmm. when when Rodgers and the floor were talking about how their flow is so good. And then after the game today, they say, we were way too lethargic getting in and out of the huddle. The energy wasn't there. LaFleur said, this wasn't close to my best game. Or he said, this wasn't my best game in terms of communicating uh, the plays in and out of the huddle. Like, how does something that was such a strong suit of this team all season, granted it was only four games, but how does that just all go out the window so quickly? Like, it, it's not Todd Bowles is is really creative with how he rushes the quarterback and and brings different looks at you, but it, I mean, how do you just forget how to be urgent in and out of the huddle? Like this game reminded me of games last season when Rogers' helmet would go out or they'd run the play clock down to one second because Rogers and the floor weren't on the same page with some of the verbiage in the play calls. Like how did they revert back to square one today? Didn't LaFleur say something about thinking too much? Yeah, like that's the exact opposite yeah. of what they've been saying this year. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I I, I heard all those things too, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, you're, you're is, is it the flow? Is, is that what it is? Or is it just because you're executing the plays? So is the was the flow any worse today? Or was it just because instead of Aaron Jones running for five yards on first and 10, he got zero yards on first and 10. So instead of second and 10, five at second and ten is is that where the flow went did the flow go away just because they just got themselves in the holes all the time so i i just think maybe some of that flow was nonsense and they just got their um teeth kicked in by, <laughs> yeah. by, by, i knew what you were by, i knew what you were about to say <laughs> yeah by a by a better defense um i'm not saying that things can't be better if there's a rematch because you know lazard will be back and yeah. urban will be back and maybe it's a different standard but um i just think that Today, Tampa Bay's defense is better. Um, I, I don't think anything magically just disappeared. I just think they weren't good enough. And uh, I want to, you, you say Lazard and Tyler Irvin, 
Kevin King's a big loss because Josh Jackson yeah. is not a good football player. He's not a good cornerback. And, you know, he's a he's a nice guy and all that, but he's a bust. And, and I know we can't call Rashawn Gary a bust. We can't. It's too soon for that. But Josh Jackson is a 2018 second-round pick who they drafted to be able to do the things that they were asking him to do today. And Mike Evans had one reception for 10 yards. Chris Godwin had five for 48. Jair Alexander, you know, I think he only allowed one catch to Godwin. Jair Alexander's a stud, but that kind of gets lost when Josh Jackson is allowing touchdowns to a rookie named Tyler Johnson from Minnesota and has a 41-yard defensive pass interference penalty that sets up a touchdown because he doesn't even turn around to look at the ball. He didn't even make an attempt. I saw, I saw you too. He didn't even make an attempt to locate the ball on that play, and it absolutely cost the Packers in a time where they they were down twenty one, I think, in the third, and and you know, it might have been. I think it was third down, mm-hmm. and their comeback hopes, although faint, would have stayed just barely alive. And and Jackson's bonehead play just sends that out the window. So I think not having Kevin King, who's been really good. Um, compared to Josh Jackson in the last year and a half, was was a big deal. The last thing before we move on to some reader questions is when I watched the Bears and Buccaneers game last Thursday night, the Buccaneers offensive line did not seem good. Like Khalil Mack was in Tom Brady's face all night. And even if he wasn't, they were making Brady move around. He's 43 years old. He, He can move as as well as my grandmother, but the the Packers didn't even make him move inside or outside the pocket. Like they just dealt all this money to the Smiths. They drafted Rashawn Gary. They have Kenny Clark back and they didn't make life hard on Brady at all. They didn't sack him. And the thing is, Preston Smith has, has gone absolutely missing this year. He's been pretty bad this year. He had a chance at an interception today on a pass that was tipped up. He had to take like one step back and and he looked like uh, a center in a rec basketball game that wasn't even trying for a rebound. Like he he has not been good this year. And Zadarius Smith, you can make a case he's their third best player behind Rodgers and Bakhtiari, but he just has these games where he disappears too. And, And they didn't get a sack on Tom Brady. Like, come on. Yeah. It's, it's concerning. Um, Gosh, I don't even I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, Preston Smith, and we, we talked about the coverage stuff, but you know he played a lot of coverage last year too. I, mean, I don't know. They, they've invested so much in that pass rush. He played more coverage it, in the. He, he, sorry to cut yeah. you off, but cause, just because I looked at the stats, then I'll let you keep going. He talked about all Preston Island, and and everyone's talked about how he's dropped into coverage more. He played one more coverage snap in the first four games last year than he did this year. Right. Forty-five coverage snaps. So it's not like he's doing it more than he did last year. Yeah, it's I don't I it's I I'm I'm blown away by it, honestly. Zadarius Smith was this game wrecker last year, and he certainly was last week and he had the great play against the Saints, but um you're paying these guys a lot of money and these guys are produced. They need they needed they needed that they just needed a play, Matt. They just needed to get one play to maybe stem the tide. Instead it just became it went from fourteen to ten to twenty one to twenty eight. They just kept piling on and um, I don't know. We're five weeks into this thing, and Preston Smith is missing an action. I don't. I don't know what the deal is. Um, you know, again, maybe it's because they haven't played good enough run defense. But they, 
the the guys they are that should be changing football games have just been AWOL. Yeah, I, I agree. And and this is no knock on Kenny Clark, but like the Packers run defense was way better without him than it was with him. Granted, the Packers run defense is better when Kenny Clark is in there, but things just don't seem to be adding up for, for this Packers defense. We always talk about how they have stars. They have Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, but like the most important part of a defense, I think, at least maybe I'm jaded because I co- I've covered the Packers for a year and a half and I've heard all you guys talk about it, is an inside linebacker. Like, Devin White and Levante David are absolute studs. And like you said, the Packers have not had two guys like that, let alone one, or I should say one, let alone two, since God knows when. And those guys make a difference. You saw how quickly they covered the width of the field today. They can drop into coverage. They just change an entire defense. And like the Pack, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage are meh. You know, Josh Jackson's not good. Preston Smith. It meh. It, it's like they just need to put it together. And then the, the biggest indictment of the defense, they get penalized for having 12 men on the field twice in five plays. Like, what? how does that happen? Can you explain that? <laughs> um, no, I just feel like they, they threw in the towel, which, didn't, which you know what? It was, a, it was a lot like the championship game last year where, shoot, the game is over. And they, 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 they kind of threw in the towel in the championship game. And I, I kind of got that sense today, too, that... They got a sense that the game was over, and and then you get twelve men in the field penalties. Um, it is quite amazing that you know. Let's let's talk about the secondary. They entered this game with twelve passes broken up. That was the worst in the league. They didn't have any today. Again, some of that's Kevin King not being out there, but so you've you've got no pass rush, and your and your DBs aren't getting their hands on any footballs, um, and your inside linebackers and D line aren't. You know, I remember Mike Patton talking about knockback. That was just one of his big things during the. During training camp, is they got to get more knockback. Well, they're, I mean, they're 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 not getting any plays in the backfield either. So, you know, where the, where the Devin Whites and the Levante Davids of the world are, are making it second and ten or, or whatever. Man, there weren't many second and tens today. Aaron Jones had ten rushes for fifteen yards. <laughs> yeah, and a couple. I'm, I'm I'm guessing all those are probably on two of them. Y- yeah, and you know, Jamal Williams had the twenty-five yard rush. AJ Dillon had the twenty-yard rush, I believe. And those two runs accounted for 45 of the Packers' 94 yards. You know, the four and a half yards per carry was what the Buccaneers averaged. But if you watch the game, it's, it wasn't that cut and dry. Um, let's talk David Bakhtiari real quick. Because he left the game early in the third quarter with a chest injury. And I would make the case he's the Packers' second most important player behind Aaron Rodgers um, in terms of the biggest drop-off if you lose him. He's probably the best left tackle in football, a stud, and he goes down. And it might have been the first snap, one of the first snaps, Rick Wagner, just a turnstile out there at left tackle. Matt LaFleur said his initial level of concern wasn't high regarding Bakhtiari's injury, but a chest injury seems a little iffy to me, and you just never know. Um, The first instinct on these injuries can sometimes be wrong, but we'll see more about that tomorrow, I'd assume. Let's say worst case scenario, Bakhtiari's out. You know what I would do? I would put Elton Jenkins at left tackle. Yep. I, I would too. put Lucas Patrick at left guard, Corey Lindsley at center, and I would probably put Turner at right guard and, and Wagner at right tackle. But if you're not comfortable putting I understand left tackle is more important than right tackle, but if you're not comfortable putting Wagner at left tackle, 
then do you just put John Runyon in at right guard and keep Turner at right tackle? Like, what would you do if Bakhtiari misses next weekend's game? Yeah, I would. I would definitely put Jenkins at left tackle. A, he's shown he can play tackle, but B, he's 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 been a left side guy for all but the one game. So you're, you're not screwing up everything with him. And I, I know, I know. I, I so I would I would put him at left tackle. I would might be. Gosh, I don't know. I hate to move too many pieces around, but yeah, yeah. I, Gosh, you're right though, because if you, if you're trying to put your best guys out there, then you probably do put Wagner at right tackle. Now you're just moving everybody in the world. That seems like a bad idea. But yeah, let, let's start with Elton Jenkins at left tackle. That's the way I would go. But you're right. Um, Lafleur didn't seem alarmed, and Rogers, I think his words were good spirits. Again, yeah, it's reading between the tea leaves. And look, that's all we, that's all we have to read. So, yeah, but, but that is all we have right now. So I'm, I'm thinking he's probably okay to space on that, but. Your guess is as good as mine. Anytime you miss a full half of a game, it's not not good. I mean, there's no one tougher than Bakhtiari, but not a good sign. And then you have injuries to Chris Barnes and Darnell Savage Jr. And uh, who is the uh, Tyler Lancaster? And Robert Tanyan got nicked up and Preston Smith got nicked up. It's like maybe another bye week next week. But then again, the Packers <laughs> would probably lose by 30 coming out of that bye week. Um, but yeah, like I said, Texans, Vikings, and Jaguars, three of the next four teams. So unless you implode even worse than today, those should be wins and, you know, a realistic 7-2 and two entering a, a away game against the Colts in Week 11. But ne- nothing is for certain in the NFL, as cliche as that is, as we saw today. A little while ago, you referenced the Bears-Buccaneers game. Um, and as bad as Tampa Bay looked in that game, it just shows... Look, did they make a movie called Any Given Sunday? But, but I mean, <laughs> seriously, it's so true. You, you, you just never know. Um, from week to week, what you think is a, a good matchup sometimes just is not. Um, that being said, I would be stunned if Green Bay doesn't just beat the you-know-what out of the Texans on Sunday. I think they'll be a ticked-off bunch, um, and Green Bay wins by a lot. I agree. Let's get to some questions. What do you say? All right. here. Let's go from the top here. Um, Gersom, I, hopefully I'm not butchering that, but this kind of leads into what we're just talking about, is the lack of elite linebackers. I'm going to guess he's talking inside. Is the lack of elite linebackers a significant problem for the team. I, and I'm going to transition it to the most significant problem, Matt. The lack of elite linebackers, I would say so. Like I said, you know, Levante, if there was a game that showed how far off the Packers are from having the middle linebackers you need to truly compete as a defense in this league, it was this game. Like I said, because Levante David and Devin White are all over the place. Chris Barnes and Ty Summers, not all over the place. And, you know, I know Christian Kirksey's hurt. I know Kamal Martin's on his way back. And who knows? Maybe Christian Kirksey and Kamal Martin are the second coming of Levante David and Devin White later in the season. I mean, Christian Kirksey has at least been practicing on the side and and working on the side. So I would tend to think he's uh, closer to returning than not. But I would say inside linebackers are the biggest deficiency on this defense with safeties not far behind because, you know, Amos and Savage don't do anything that impresses me, really. And Amos is sturdy, was last season, has his flashes. But, like, Rob Gronkowski is, again, he's like, I, I use the, um, the grandma analogy with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady's a grandma, Rob Gronkowski is my great-grandma out there. And, and he's <laughs> leaping over Adrian Amos, a 27, 28-year-old safety, like it's nothing. So... Inside linebackers and safeties, I would say, are the two biggest problems. How about you? Yeah, um, 
we have a group text people during the game. Was it you, Matt, who suggested that Rob Gronkowski was a 6.2 in the 40, or was that one of our I said people? I said 6.9, but that was probably 6. just... 6.9. <laughs> There we go. In honor um, of his yeah. favorite number. But yeah, he, he I, I run a faster 40 than him. Um, yeah, I will go inside linebacker. And they could have had Patrick Queen. Instead, they, when they traded up in the first round, they could have traded up to get Patrick Queen. Instead, they took Jordan Love, who was inactive today. So I, I will leave it at that. Um, Ryan Steppen wants to know, is the defense a big liability? And did Matt LaFleur get exposed? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say, will Matt LaFleur get exposed? Because he was in offensive genius the first four games of the season so I'm not going to let one game detract from that Um, he said it it wasn't his best game and while it was concerning let's give the guy a chance to rebound the next couple weeks you know if this continues and the offense completely falls flat again then we'll we'll revisit that but um, I still think Matt LaFleur is a bright offensive mind Uh, but like I said the most concerning thing is not his play calling or, or not the strategy or not how many times he ran versus how many times he passed, but the fact that the play calling communication was so, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, was it, it was just such a poor process today, and that's still not the right word to use, but compared to how, how much praise that got from Rodgers and LaFleur, like I said, the flow, how rocky it was today, and how many times it led to the Packers snapping the ball at the end of the play clock. That was the most concerning thing for me about LaFleur today. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you don't go from genius to stupid overnight. Um, look, it's it's one game. He's, his history of bouncing back is pretty gosh darn good. I, I would not lose a whole lot of sleep about Matt LaFleur. And look, let's be honest here. They scored a lot of points the first four games, but... At some point, look look at their personnel. I mean, what, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I look, I, and again, I realize they scored 150 points the first four games, which maybe shoots this whole argument in the foot. But um, they not exactly loaded with weapons, so I, I just think you got to take that into account. Um, Robert Dalton wants to know what is the redeeming quality of Mike Patton, and why is he still the defensive coordinator? So, all you, Matt, what do you think? He's a great quote when we talk to him. Yeah, sure is, and. I'm not going to question his defensive expertise because it's way better than mine, but the fact that, and like I said, this is the most alarming thing to me. You can question his, his personnel. You can put the blame on him for giving up plays to Gronk. But the, most, the biggest indictment on Pettin today was, like I said, the two 12 men on the field penalties in five plays. Granted, that might be the player's fault too, but it's a coach's job to have the players know what they're doing and know their rotations. And sure, we might talk to Patton on Thursday and he'll be like, he might throw a player under the bus. Who knows? But I I would have to imagine, and I'm only half joking when I say this, that uh, Dan Quinn might have put Matt LaFleur on on speed dial tonight, being like, hey, just so you know, if you need a new defensive coordinator, uh, you know I'm available. Because obviously, Quinn was LaFleur's boss in Atlanta, and who knows? LaFleur might be Quinn's boss come next season. But I'm not pressing the fire petting button yet. Um, Still got a lot of season to go, but certainly not an inspiring performance. That's going to be a storyline all year, isn't it? If the defense continues to struggle. I mean, look, it is the... It is the elephant in the room for sure, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, I, I will say about the defense, yeah, it was 38 points. Um, 14 were given to them by the offense. 
And at the end of the day, the Buccaneers averaged five yards of play, which isn't which isn't like super great. So I don't think it was quite a dumpster fire. Look, I'm, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat and sweep stuff under the rug, but I don't think it was quite as bad as people make it out to be. I think you look at 38 points and you maybe forget for a half second that 14 of those were on the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. And like Adrian Amos said, he, he's right in saying, you know, those first 14 points, we couldn't really do anything about that. I mean, the pick six no. and then the second interception return was at the two-yard line and the, and the Buccaneers score on the next play. So really, the the Packers' defense, I guess you could say, only gave up 24 points. Still not great, but the defense owes the offense a little. I mean, granted, the offense still probably owes the defense from last season, but it would have been nice to see the defense pick up the slack for the offense, and, and that just didn't happen. Robert Brankini or Brancini, one or the other, um, has a series of questions, and, you, and it's four personnel guys here, Matt. Pick one that you want to talk about. A, is Preston Smith still on the roster? Are we concerned about the regression of Darnell Savage? Why is Ty Summers playing, and why is Josh Jackson playing? So have at it. Pick a couple. I'm going to go Josh Jackson. Um, well, he was playing because Kevin King was hurt, but it's also um, concerning to think that the Packers don't have anyone else that they can put in if Kevin King, who has been injury-prone in his career, gets hurt again, or if Jair Alexander, who's been dealing with nagging injuries all season, gets gets hurt again. And you look at it, pretty much every team has a, a potent wide receiver that can expose a a mediocre cornerback, and that's what Josh Jackson is. He's a mediocre cornerback, and he gets put out on an island out there, um, and all you have to do is throw at him, and he'll commit a penalty like he did tonight. I'm not, I won't say more often than not, but he's a liability. So that's my choice. Who's your choice? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to talk savage, but on Jackson, you, you were at every training camp practice. It, he, it's, it must be maddening to be Jerry Gray because if he's on the field for 10 plays – he will look phenomenal for seven of them, right? But it's the other three plays where, where he just looks like he, a guy who shouldn't be in the league. It's it's got to be because I I would I would say he probably broke up more passes than any cornerback at training camp. But he gave up the most touchdowns too. It's just got to be um, pull your hair out if you're Jerry Gray. I would say um, I will say Darnell Savage. The regression of Darnell Savage is he really regressed, Matt? Because I, I, he was He's all the same last year, but th- yeah, right. Were you actually impressed with Darnell Savage last year? I was not. I mean, I realized again he was all rookie last year. I didn't. I was not like thinking, man, this guy's got a chance to be great. I never. I have never thought that. How many safeties were eligible for all rookie? Like how many safeties played enough? That's what I want to know, and I could probably look that up, but I'm not going to right now. He didn't really do anything that impressed me last year. You know, this, this thumper, this uh, guy who just breaks up passes and rocks people on the back end. I didn't really see that. You know, nope. people like to pick out the, the bad angle he took on that play against Dalvin Cook in week two last year, but his tackling suspect mm-hmm. and, and much of the same now. And I know you say, oh, you don't see him. That's because they're not thrown at him and he's not making impact plays. That doesn't mean he's not playing well. Like A lot of teams are going down the middle of the field at the Packers and Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage aren't getting the job done. Right on the money. All right. The best for last or the worst for last, BLM Wildcard says, is this team better or worse than last year? Ooh, that's a great question. That's a great question, isn't it? I think they're better. And I'll say that because, like I said earlier, 
they had wins last season that preceded losses like this one they had today that gave you a hint that they weren't far off from losses like this. What leads me to believe that today was more of an anomaly, like Aaron Rodgers said, was the wins they've had the first four weeks are a sign that they're a much improved team on offense. Now, the defense is all another story. Offense is what wins games in this league. I do think the batters, Packers have a better offense. Now, granted, injuries are going to play a big role in that. They need Alan Lazard back. They need David Bakhtiari back. Um, I still think they're a better team than last year. And I'll be more confident in that statement if they can bounce back in the next couple games and, and show that this is just an anomaly. But yeah, I, I still have faith in that statement that, that their offense is much better than last year and, and year two in this offense will yield better results and that today was just an, a pretty much inexplainable fluke. Yeah, I agree with you. I, my, my wonder, though, is if they got to the championship game last year. So, so to me, better means you at least get one more step. So that's where I wonder, are they actually better than last year? Are, are they good enough to get back to a championship game? Yeah, probably, they probably are good enough. But, but will they? Are they good enough to take a next step? Are they good enough to compete with these really, really good football teams? That's... That's my wonder. I, I just don't know if there's enough firepower on offense, if the D-line and linebackers are good enough to stop a good running game like Tampa's today. Um, we'll see what, the, what kind of physical shape the Niners are in here in a few weeks, but those kind of games, are they better equipped to, to, to take the next step? I, I, have serious, I have serious questions. I just, I just, I mean, look, every team has flaws, but Green Bay's flaws look pretty big. You know, even, even winning... Um, when they face really good defenses, is there enough of a supporting cast for Ron Rodgers and Aaron Jones to get it done? Whoo, I'm not sure. And it's not going to be Equinemius St. Brown, let me tell you that. <laughs> no, it's not, no matter what Twitter thought on Saturday. Exactly. But hey, I appreciate you guys if you're still listening. I know it could be a depressing listen, but maybe that's your way of coping with a loss like this. I know people were uh, heated on Twitter, and it's been a while since Packers Twitter has been this heated, not since the NFC Championship game. So maybe for uh, the sake of my mentions and my DMs, maybe they'll win next week. And that would be good for the, the vitriol out there. But hey, we love it. We love the passion. It's why we love covering this team because you guys are so passionate. So keep it, keep it coming, good or bad. Keep the questions coming. And, and we'll talk to you guys next Sunday night, next Monday morning, when the Packers play the 1-5 Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. So for Bill, I'm Matt. Thank you guys, and we'll talk to you next week.